This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, we're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find more of our work at ObsessiveViewer.com, and you can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer. And this week, of course, our sponsor is Horror Movie Yearbook, a film or a horror movie podcast that takes several different horror movies from a specific year and uh, reviews them and contextualizes their discussion with the co- uh, current events of the year and the main events of that uh, year of release. You can find them at HM Yearbook on Twitter and at HorrorMovieYearbook.com. And also a special shout out to our uh, listener friend of the show, Curtis, who just recently became a Patreon subscriber on Patreon, which you can do at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. So he's the one. He is the (laughs) fifth. (laughs) Oh, wow. He's the five. five? Um, Yeah. Wow. Uh, We are slowly but surely... Getting getting up there, nice. Um, but no, yeah, he was very very kind enough to. Uh, he's he's the one that won the shirt, right? Yep. So he uh, and he he was kind enough to become a patron. Uh, which, of course, if you want to become a patron, uh, that gets you access to a special um, RSS feed that is filled with that is going to be filled with commentary tracks that I'll be recording in random intervals and releasing at my leisure. Um, right now you can listen to my commentary track for Jingle All The Way, as well as I just recently released a commentary track for I Love You Man, uh, which is a lot of me just going, <laughs> that was funny. Um, <laughs> that is a great movie. So yeah, it is, it is very good. It is a very good movie. Yeah. But yeah, check that out. Go to patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. So Tiny, how's it going? It's going good. Good, good. Um, so... Last week or last time on the podcast, we mm-hmm. selected Amazon Prime movies to discuss for each other, mm-hmm. and then Netflix is like, "Oh, hey, here's a Cloverfield movie." Right. So we are adjusting a little bit. Uh, so we will have our Prime selections episode next week. I'll be talking about Conspiracy, and Tiny will be talking about Marjorie Prime, uh, both available on Amazon Prime. But this week on the podcast, we are going to be reviewing the Netflix original movie that was purchased by Paramount for a reported of like $50 million is what wow. I'm seeing. Um, and it's the third entry in the Cloverfield, I don't want to say franchise. I don't, and we'll get into this yeah. when we get into the review, but uh, the Cloverfield brand um, that it was just... Uh, a very interesting way to release a movie. And we'll talk about that a little more here in just a second. Um, but Tiny, anything else new? Anything you want to... Um, no, no. Okay. No, Sweet. nothing cool. Nothing... Sweet. I'm boring. Yeah, I mean, you're, not, you're married, so... I'm an adult. Know. Married I'm people adulting. are boring. Yes. Yeah. Um, not not really. It's That's okay. It, I'm... Not all married people are boring. I'm just, I paid money to go to the state fairgrounds for a home show. 
That's like okay, adulting yeah, hardcore. Yeah. We bought deck furniture. Like, there's there's no coming back from from that Amish. Yet. We bought deck furniture from Amish people. Wow. That's, I mean, like, wow. first of all, white. Second of all, old. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wasn't gonna say it. But... <laughs> yeah. My God. Yeah. So yeah, I retract my apology. I'm. Super glad to be single. Yeah. Um, so anyway. Thirdly, I'm really excited about it. So Jesus. Yeah. And then circle back to old. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> while, you're, while you're buying furniture and stuff at the fairgrounds, I'm living my best single life. Right. Eating ramen and watching ER at night. Anyway. Uh, um, I'd love to watch so, ER. Oh, my God. It's so good. Yeah. Ooh, it's I can good. check in and say that... Oh, um, nice. Paige, my wife, mm-hmm. uh, on a whim, just started yes. watching The Wire. I was so... N- nothing against Paige, but I was so surprised when you said that, because that does not yeah. seem like a Paige show. I know. I mean, she does like detective stuff mm-hmm. and like mysteries, especially like murder mysteries and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I should have put two and two together, but I just thought it sure. was... You know, it's the wire is so much more than that. Yeah, I just I don't necessarily consider it that, but it sure. on a certain level, it is kind of a yeah. crime mystery about drugs and murder and stuff, and so, so she she's digging procedural. the hell out of it. Nice. Yeah, she likes the procedural side of it, and, nice. and she likes everything else too. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, she's she's loving. We're flying. We're on the third season already. Are you serious? Yeah, we're flying through it. My so God, she's watching a little bit of it without me. Oh, okay. Um, of the first twenty four episodes, I probably missed like three or four of them. Wow. But, so where's when's the divorce papers coming? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. I told her to watch watch oh, it without okay. me because yeah. Yes. But yeah, it's it, I'm she's loving it and I'm nice. enjoying the hell out of like almost rediscovering the show because it's been a good nice. five plus years. Since That's I what surprised me when you were telling me about it. Yeah, like yeah, it's I didn't realize you hadn't seen it again. Like, was it is this your second or third time? Third, through it? third time. Okay, through that's it. what I thought. Yeah, first time watching the remastered version too. Oh, nice. Um, How do you like it? Looks great, right? I I didn't I, I didn't necessarily think that like the show needed that or anything, mm-hmm. you know, like, cause the show is, uh, you know, notorious or famous for being a little bit gritty. Yeah. Um, and that's part of its charm and all that stuff and nothing wrong with it, but it's, it, I, I don't want to say that the remastered version took away some of that grit. Cause I mean, it did, but it's like, it's not like some polished pretty show. And I like, it's still a very, you know, low budget, yeah. all about the, all about the art kind of show. It's still, it didn't lose anything. I'll put it that right. way. It, it only added to the appeal of the show, in my mm-hmm. in my opinion. So it look it looks phenomenal. Nice. I I totally agree. Like I bought it on Blu-ray after I having it on DVD and having HBO Go right. that has the remastered versions. Yeah. But I still I'm still like yep I I want to own this on Blu-ray. Yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah. So. Which makes me wonder what's the status on the Shield remaster. Um, cause like, I want to say like a couple years ago, um, Sean Ryan was like, Hey, we're remastering, uh, the shield. Okay. Nice. I didn't even know about that. Yeah. So he had announced, um, a while ago, he's like, yeah, we're doing a 4k, um, a 4k remaster of the shield. Wow. And this was a while ago. And apparently in December, he said Sony is on season five of the Shield 4K conversion and should complete the series by March. How quickly that results in streaming and DVD options is TBD. Wow. So yeah, 
That'll be very interesting that'll to be, see. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah, so... I think it'd be even more awesome if they just threw it all on the FX app. Oh, yeah. I wish that app was more... User better. <laughs> just better. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> they'll yeah. have, like, a season of a show or whatever, like the most recent episodes of shows, but they don't have... Right. It's not like HBO Go. Yeah, and that's kind of the same way with, like... Like Hulu does that a lot. Like, yeah. I, oh, that's what I'll bring up for Potpourri. Anyway, um, yeah. So I, like, I wish that that I wish that, and I wish that it was more user friendly. I guess because like I used to watch the the Simpsons world on that, which just has every every episode ever of the mm-hmm. Simpsons, right? And it just was kind of a chore because like I would have to manually change the episode. Like oh. I couldn't just autoplay the episode. Huh. And yeah, so the interface is cool, but it's just not, not to my liking. Right, it's not there yet. Yeah, yeah. we and like Paige and I started watching The Americans. Oh, really? Watched, oh, interesting. Like, well, I really wasn't into it. She watched more than me. Interesting. But she kind of abandoned it and moved onto the wire. Really? Um, Was that but, but because you were watching it on the FX? App no, or? we were like we. I, I immediately went to. We were looking through Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. and like a season of it popped up, and she was like, "My parents love that show. We okay. should try watching." And I was like, "All right, I guess." And so I went to the FX app, and it's mm-hmm. like they had like the most recent season. Oh, okay. Which I think season four or five, maybe. Yeah. And so I was like, "Well, this is kind of dumb," but thankfully, I'm pretty sure it's Amazon has all yeah. the seasons. So mm-hmm. that's how we were watching it. But, okay, and you couldn't get into it? Um, no, I I could. I was into it a little. I got into it. I just wasn't that into it, I guess. Okay. I'll put it that way. It wasn't really... I wasn't, like, excited about watching it. Sure. Yeah. I... It's... That's surprising because it seems like it's kind of right up your alley. Yeah. Um, but I remember that I brought it up in our episode where we did uh, abandoned TV shows. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the reasons why I didn't connect with it that much is that every single episode had to have some contrived, like, hand-to-hand combat scene yeah it's just like it felt so out of place like we need to action it up and it just felt it detracted from my enjoyment of it but anyway yeah um so yeah so we're gonna be reviewing the cloverfield uh paradox today um but before we do that i do have a couple news things to bring up Mm -hmm. um one is something that tiny apparently has not been made aware of i am not aware yeah so it was announced that let me let me pull up the actual article okay i'll read the first sentence of this i'll read the opening paragraph of this uh cbs news thing winter is coming to a galaxy far far away the creators of the hit series game of thrones david benioff and db weiss are writing and producing a mysterious new series of star wars movies for lucasfilm and that's pretty much all the information we have it's not going to be related to the skywalker saga or the um let's see it will be separate from the skywalker saga and the new trilogy being planned by uh ryan johnson wow so what do you think of that um i mean on the surface like if you had told me years ago about that i'd be like holy shit i'd be freaking out but if i feel like there it's almost like star wars has too much going on right now Mm -hmm. there's too much like two two movie releases in six months because solo is coming out in may may so it's like, and then like there's all this Ryan Johnson trilogy talk, and mm-hmm. I was like, man, that's there's a lot going on. And now this, that's just, I mean, it's not that I'm not excited about it, or that doesn't sound like an awesome combination. It totally does. Mm-hmm. It's just like there's too much awesome stuff to get excited about. Right. Like, it's like 
I don't know what to compare it to, but it's like they're they're just like they have the hype train full steam ahead, mm-hmm. and it's they keep adding cars to it, and it's just like yeah. at some point this is untenable. Right. I don't know. Maybe they'll pull it off. Um, they are basically the god of companies, yeah. entertainment companies. Um, My yeah, like like I'm I'm curious about it. I'm not like. I was more excited to know what your reaction would be upon yeah, hearing it than, really. than I am for actually it. Uh, just because, like, okay, Ryan Johnson movies are going to be standalone movies that are not connected to the Star Wars saga or the Skywalker saga. So I'm thinking, like, okay, well, that's maybe that'll take the place of the trilogy, like, episode movies. And then my thought is, okay, the, so are they abandoning the anthology movies and they're just going to do, like, one year's... One year is Ryan Johnson's movie. One year is D.B. Weiss and David Benioff's standalone things. Huh. Um, so, yeah, I think part of it is also that, okay, there's – you can – like, okay, Marvel is – makes like – they map out their, their stuff. They set up release dates, titles, and everything, and people get excited for that because you think, oh, oh, shit, the Black Panther's coming out. Right. In like four years, we're going to see him in Civil War. And it's like, oh, Captain Marvel. Like like right now, as we are right now on the cusp of uh, – we're a week away from uh, Black Panther and a few a handful of months away from, from Infinity War. And I am extremely excited for Captain Marvel because I'm excited for Brie Larson mm-hmm. to be in the role and everything. And like with this, it's like, okay – I don't know anything about what Ryan Johnson's doing with his trilogy. I don't know anything about what the what DB Weiss and David Benioff are doing. Mm-hmm. I don't really know anything enough to be excited about it. Right. Um, but yeah, but there was something kind of tangentially related uh, to that. That I okay, I saw a headline that annoyed me um, because a lot of the reaction to this is like, okay, there's not. It's like, oh, another, like, oh, white men in Star Wars. Like, <laughs> they're not, like, a minority or, or uh, uh, like, like people of color, color or, or uh, women directors or anything. Yeah. And it's like, I remember hearing, like, when, um, have you seen the trailer for A Wrinkle in Time? No. Okay, it's a Ava DuVernay's um, movie based on the book. Um, mm. very cool, like visually like stunning, like it look, okay. the trailer, like I'm really excited for the movie. And like, I remember like hearing a podcast talk about it, it's like this, like, like seeing this trailer makes that podcaster want her to do a star Wars movie. And like, ever since I saw the trailer, I was like, yeah, she would be amazing in it. Mm-hmm. Um, in star Wars, but like, okay. So I saw this headline that kind of annoyed me because like I agree. First of all, I agree. Yeah, there should be you know diversity behind the scenes of Star Wars. Like that's that's a no brainer. There's a lot of talented like female and and um, minority directors that should you know have a shot at the biggest franchise in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but the headline that I read felt a little bothersome to me because it was like, is is Lucasfilm secretly hiring people of color and my and and women? Uh, two direct Star Wars oh, movies. And shut I'm like, up. Yeah, so it's like the premise of the article is that like, okay, they've announced these projects, but are they actually also? Because uh, like an unconfirmed source said, like, yeah, we they've got they've got like a couple women directors keyed up for certain projects and stuff, but it's like it, like 
it just it bothers me because okay, first of all, from a PR perspective, yeah, it's a problem if they're not doing like like if they're not diversifying the the talent behind the scenes and everything. If they're not handing the the projects over to people like a more diverse uh, creative team and everything. But to like say like, well, are they secretly doing this? Like, it feels like they're like fanboys. Like, okay, well, maybe that's not a problem, guys. Yeah, that's horseshit. Yeah, that's it's, silly. Yeah. It's it it kind of annoyed me, but that doesn't the the lack of diversity or whatever doesn't bother me that much because that the woman the person at the helm of the franchise is a woman. That's true. Yeah, um, Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah, and then yeah. like the. Three of the leads in the franchise now: one's Hispanic, one's a woman, one's a black guy. True. I mean, it just doesn't. And like, it's not that I don't care about diversity, mm-hmm. but it's like, who's the I'm, the director you mentioned that a minute ago? The, Ava DuVernay. Okay, DeVarney. I'm not really familiar with her. She did the. Uh, she either produced or directed the uh, documentary Thirteenth. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. She also did Selma, or was it Selma? Yeah. I okay. Selma. Okay. Those are good movies. Yeah. Like that's great. And yeah. Okay. If she, like. If I'm looking at her versus D.B. Weiss and David Benioff, sorry, I'm going with D.B. Weiss and David Benioff because I know them sure. and they have sci-fi fantasy background. Mm-hmm. Or if Ryan Johnson, sorry, over her. I'm going with Ryan Johnson over her because I, again, sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's not it's not that, I don't know, like, like if, I'm, if they're talking about the next, like, big action movie and they're mm-hmm. looking at, like, um, Catherine Bigelow versus McGee, Catherine Big, I want Catherine Bigelow because she's right. a better director than McGee. Yeah. Or, you know, like I would totally. It's it's about who's better for the it's job. About, yeah, it's about merit know? rather than right. You know, and so. you're right. There is a lot of diversity in the Star Wars universe now. Right. Um. I just. God damn it. I I have like angry flashes to PopCon like two years ago, right before uh, Force Awakens came out. There was this this old just dick. <laughs> who was like just standing around our booth and like he was like talking to me uh for an extended period of time talking about how it's ridiculous how like oh, I remember that. Yeah, like literally like this is not an exaggeration at all. He was like, "Yeah, well, you know, that elementary show, now they have Watson as a woman, a Chinese woman yeah. and uh and then now they've got a black Jedi and they've got uh they got a woman at the at the um as the lead in in Star Wars and I just think that's stupid like he was like he was like legitimately like a caricature right like it was I was just like get the fuck away <laughs> yeah he was like the personification of a of an alt right chat room yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I remember that guy yeah oh uh, god so I'll like think about that and I'm just like I'm glad he's probably pissed off at all these movies <laughs> exactly um but anyway yeah so and I, and I agree yeah the best person for the job yeah mm-hmm. um but also it's just it just seems like it's it's more of a boys club yeah that's that, oh that's totally true yeah, yeah absolutely yeah but anyway, so I, is all directing jobs though, right? It's automatically, a which is club. a widespread problem, of course. Not oh, to, yeah, right. Not to, yeah. Well, and you know, we're starting to see there's a lot of great women directors out there. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. Uh, so I yeah. So hopefully, I can't think of their names at the right. moment, <laughs> which is again a problem. <laughs> um, sure. But no, Catherine, um, Catherine Bigelow. Yeah, Catherine Bigelow, and then oh, uh, um, Patty Jenkins. Wonder yeah, Woman. one woman. Yeah. That was, I couldn't think of her name. Yeah, yeah. I, I had trouble too. Right. Um. Yeah. So hopefully we'll get some more 
Um, interesting uh, people attached to it. Not that D.B. Weiss and David Benioff aren't interesting and right. everything. There was actually a really good tweet that was uh, like, uh, oh, they're going to ruin Star Wars or whatever. Or, or the only reason that Game of Thrones is good is because uh, it's adapted from books. Oh, God. And like the tweet said something to the effect of, to those people that are saying that, go watch uh, The Dark Tower <laughs> and and some other like really terrible adaptation, and tell me that it doesn't take talent to adapt a, to adapt yeah, something. No kidding. Yeah, and Ugh. I just I got a chuckle out of that. I I liked it, but I didn't retweet it because it would have been too painful. Yeah, and like I've been uh, saying for years with Game of Thrones, I think the show is better than the books. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. which is you know it's it's like in my opinion that's that's how i feel about it but mm-hmm. that's opposite of the cliche right because you know the cliche is though oh, the books are always better but i i like the show mm-hmm. better so that's just yeah, me totally. but yeah so i i don't remember where i was going with that but oh you're fine yeah yeah um that's huge news though then yeah, get into star wars i mean yeah i oh, yeah. i this sounds nuts but star wars is just peaking like a son of a bitch it right is. now i would rather see them do a dark tower show oh my god dude that would be so amazing for hbo you can even wait till 2020 yeah. when game of thrones is done and take some time off and chill mm. and and take a bath in your money and stuff yeah um but yeah, i'd rather see them do a dark tower show or something <sighs> me too yeah. even like i would probably be more interested in it if they were doing like a star wars tv show yeah, as opposed to totally. a series, like totally, I think that they would be really good at you know doing obviously yeah. a TV show. Um, kick off, they could kick Disney could kick off their app, their streaming mm-hmm. app with a DB Weiss and David Benioff Star Wars show. Right, that'd be cool. That would be cool. I'd be more excited about that. Yeah, but hmm. again, it's not that I'm not excited. It's just it's like I have to manage my excitement because mm-hmm. it's like. Because it's there's just so much stuff. It's all hype. It's all yeah. it's all to the tenth degree, and it's mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Speaking Man. of <laughs> excitement and everything, though, uh, the solo trailer. Yes. What did you think of that? I dug it. I mean, nice. I I really did. Um, it looks, it looks like it's going to be a pretty simple movie, like Rogue One. Like it's not mm-hmm. super complicated with all this history and all this stuff. And I mean, Rogue One obviously has history in it, but I'm just right. saying, you know, it's. It's gonna be. It's not gonna be wrapped up in as much hype. I don't think. I guess it will because it's. I mean, in the context of Star Wars, because you know, obviously the episode movies get all get even more hype than like Rogue One did, Mm -hmm. or I think maybe this will. Um, I don't know. It's. It just seemed like a like kind of a a simpler, gritty, more filtered kind of movie, Mm -hmm. Um, and it looks. I, honestly, my favorite thing is just that um, that Donald Lover is playing Lando Calrissian. Like, yeah. I just I could not. That is perfect. Like, mm-hmm. there's no other person I would want to the play. The shots that. of him and it's like, yeah. That is. I just, I am so I can't wait to see that. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's my favorite. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, it's a Han Solo movie, whatever. Right. Donald Glover playing Lando Calrissian. I want to see that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Make a Lando movie with him. <laughs> right. I'd be even more excited if it was. Yeah. If it was oh, that. Yeah. So. Like, and the internet went crazy for that. Mm-hmm. Like, the internet loves loves Donald Glover as as Lando. And it, like, I saw a tweet or something, something like, imagine being um, uh, Alden. Uh, I can't remember how to pronounce his last name, but the actor playing Han Solo and just like yeah, all of like it's like this is like a big moment, and then all anyone can talk about is Donald Glover. I know. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. So Which, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I think visually it looks like it'll it'll look interesting. Like it yeah. has kind of that similar kind of color palette that like Rogue One had, like yeah. that kind of dark kind of uh, lived in world. Yeah. Yeah. And that I'm all about. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, um, I just, I, I don't know. I'm just, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. But yeah, Lando. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, yeah. So before we get into our review of the Cloverfield Paradox, what did you think of the Super Bowl, the ads, all that? Um, Super Bowl, pretty exciting game, first of all. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know, Eagles soared right. over the... Fly, Eagles, fly. Yeah. yeah, their first franchise win ever. That was pretty cool. Oh, good job. Um, so, yeah, the game... The game is cool. Um, the ads uh, were pretty good. Tide stole the night. Those were so damn funny. Nice. I don't remember any of them. Oh, you didn't see any of them? Yeah. Yeah, it was like... I was only paying attention to the trailers, to be honest. Basically, they would start an ad that seems like, oh, this is an ad. Like, it's an old lady playing tennis. She's just like, oh, my mm-hmm. back. Oh, man, my back's hurting. And then... Um, uh, dude from Stranger Things comes into the oh, screen. Oh, yeah. He's, David he's Harbour. Like, yeah, David Harbour. And he's yeah. like, but look how white her clothes are. It's a Tide ad. And then it would cut. And that's it. It's a tie. It was like, and they do like two, they do like two of those together. And it was okay. just hilarious. Nice. Th- those were killer. Um, and then the Michelob, Michelob ad with Chris Pratt. I don't remember that one. Really? Okay, so yeah. there were two of them, and I think a lot of people missed the second one. Okay. So the first one was hilarious. It was like Chris Pratt was like training for like to be the big lead in a Michelob commercial. Okay. So he's literally like they show him like with his shirt off, like trying to get ripped, and then like he's at he's at a gym and he has this little barbell that's like that he's tilting with his fingers, like he's tilting a bottle of beer, and like <laughs> he's like he's like he's like don't don't distract me, I'm getting ready for a big Michelob commercial, and and he shows up on set. And he's basically just an extra, <laughs> and, and like, and that's the end of the first ad. Mm-hmm. And then later on, there's like a just like straight up Michelob ad, like Chris cool and refreshing, and it's like shows this group of people like out at a bar, and it's Chris Pratt trying to like insert himself into like <laughs> make himself stand out amongst all these extras. That's awesome. And I bet a lot of people completely missed it. That's so cool. But I picked up on. I was like, "That's fucking hilarious." Nice. Yeah those those were my those were the highlights as far as ads go. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't really pay attention to any of the ads or anything, but I did pay attention to the trailers. Yeah. And I was really excited because I posted in the Facebook group, uh, saying like, "Hey, if you're watching the Super Bowl, let's talk about the ads and like or mm-hmm. the the trailers and everything." And we got like a lot. Like it was it was very like hundred comments. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it was great. Hint, hint, guys, join the Facebook group. Yes. Uh, but no, it was awesome. Um, totally. Yeah, of the trailers, which one was like your favorite? What like one one stood out? Well, uh, maybe jumping the gun on like a segue here about the Cloverfield paradox. Oh yeah, you are jumping the gun a little bit. Yeah, but, but it, that genuinely was. Yeah, that was favorite. cool, and we'll talk about that as we lead into our review. But mm-hmm. I want to highlight uh, as stupid as it looks, and it does look very stupid. Skyscraper kind of looks like a fun summer action movie. I see. I missed that one. I didn't see it. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's 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 The Rock, and yeah. it, it's like. I, he, it's yeah it's a movie. nice um it's a skyscraper he it's like diehard towering inferno-esque oh boy and he has to save his family or something uh, of course yeah like there's a scene like the end shot of the trailer is him leaping from the top of like a fire truck ladder i think mm-hmm. 
uh, over a chasm onto the window ledge of the skyscraper. I did see that. It was like a, I saw a poster of that. Yeah. Yeah, it looks yeah, ridiculous, but it, does. it looks fun. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to review it and force Fekus to watch it so we yeah. can have him on for it. I saw like a post from I don't know if it was like Reddit or something like that mm-hmm. where basically a physicist like broke down that poster. Oh and yeah, it was like it's literally it's physically impossible for him to reach that window from <laughs> Jim- and like he like broke down all the physics, like put in the equations and all that, and it was Jeez. like it was pretty funny. That's awesome. Yeah, and then he like fixed it to make it where it would actually be possible. Nice. And I think he like put wings on him once, and then like he <laughs> he basically just like moved the cr- like the ladder over like way closer. <laughs> it was it was really funny. Oh, that's fantastic! That's the only reason I really know about skyscraper. I need to watch the trailer. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting trailer. Nice. Uh, Jurassic World two. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, much better trailer. You thought so? I okay. thought so. Then that the first one they came out with, I was like, yeah. What is this? Mm. Yeah, I, I, that was a really. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm not very excited for the movie, but mm-hmm. the trailer made me even less even less excited. So mm. that was a bummer. But this second one was like, okay, this that was a better trailer. I don't know. I'm still not necessarily more excited for the movie, but mm-hmm. at least whoever made that second trailer did a better job. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. And what did you think of uh, Jack Ryan, the Amazon Prime original? Series? Oh yeah. Um, kind of intriguing it's it seems kind of strange to me because like when i think of jack ryan i think of like an analyst you know Mm -hmm. and it's it seems like they kind of updated him for like a 21st century audience where he's like they show like clips of him like running around with a gun and like a bulletproof vest on and stuff and i'm like it looks like jack ryan 24 style exactly i was like is that is that really jack ryan i mean i i don't have a lot of frame of reference for that character Mm -hmm. other than like you know hunt for red october and shit like that and he's you know i think of like Alec Baldwin at a desk, you know, that's what I, that's kind of what I think of for right. Jack Ryan. And I feel like they just kind of up the ante with him, hmm. you know, with Ben Affleck, he survives a nuclear yeah. bomb and then, and now he's running around with a gun and a bulletproof vest on. It's like, it just seems out of character for me. And yeah, but I, I do think it looks cool. I, mm-hmm. I love John, John Krasinski. And yeah. John Krasinski as an action star, it seems like a good fit. Absolutely. I, I, I really enjoyed his performance in 13 hours. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, God, I like that movie in general, but nice. uh, but I, I he can totally he totally works in that that dynamic, the action dynamic. So nice. I'll probably check it out um, and see if it's any good. Nice. Same here. Yeah. And then finally, uh, <laughs> HBO had for the first time in twenty years, yeah, a Super Bowl ad. Not only was it the first time in twenty twenty years, it was the first time ever that they've had a Super Bowl ad for one of their original series. Like, 20 years ago, they had, like, two years running. They had, like, two ads, one each year that was, like, for, like, oh, HBO, we're a thing. <laughs> um, but this is, like, they actually had an, a, a Super Bowl ad specifically for Westworld Season 2. Right. Which is was a surprise because they announced that the release date of that, or the premiere date, is, I think... April 22nd, something like that. Okay. End of April. Yeah. Uh, which is surprising because I didn't think it was going to be back. Well, I guess they said it wouldn't come back until 2018 when it aired. So, I mean, I guess that's on point, I think. I don't remember when it aired. but Yeah, do I? Yeah, I'm I'm curious about it. I Like, I was kind of lukewarm on, or I was kind of not too crazy about the first season. Yeah. But I'm planning on rewatching it and then and then diving in and staying away from all discussion and everything yeah. on the internet. Right. So 
Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, are you excited for Westworld? I am. Yeah, I thought the trailer was really good. Um, nice. I feel like the um, first season, the first season's like just it just felt like it was entirely, almost entirely build up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it feels like a lot of that stuff is going to culminate in the second season and yeah. you know come to fruition. So it looks like a very action packed. Like heavy action uh, mm-hmm. season, as a, which is one of my complaints about the first season. There's all this mystery, and they just keep mm-hmm. delving into it, and it was just, it was a little off putting after a while. And I feel like the conclusion for a lot of that in the finale <laughs> of the first season was just not that satisfying. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, but uh, this second season looks like it's very like like all out warfare kind of stuff. Yeah, so it could, it should be, cool. be interesting. Yeah, yeah totally. So that kind of brings us to our review, I guess. The trailer release of the Cloverfield Paradox on the during the Super Bowl. Uh, what was your reaction to it when you saw it? Um, just kind of shock, you know. I I was expecting. I just wasn't expecting a Cloverfield movie uh, <laughs> anytime soon. I figured it was going to be. I I don't know. I feel I feel like the kind of marketing strategy they had for the second movie um mm-hmm. was kind of something they were just trying out for that movie specifically and like mm-hmm. i didn't think that was going to be part of the franchise or the trilogy or whatever mm-hmm. um and so now that it's happened i was like of course that's what they were going to do that makes so much more sense um <laughs> and i just love that it was uh you know like a netflix uh movie and it's like they just, they like, it's just so cool how they used marketing for this mm-hmm. movie and how it was so unconventional and it was exciting. It was different, you know? Um, yeah. And to kind of uh, put into context or, or, yeah, put into context, uh, this is the third movie of the Cloverfield brand. I, I'm calling it brand. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but uh, I'm calling it brand and essentially started with 2008's Cloverfield which was a found footage monster movie produced by J.J. Abrams, directed by, I think, Drew Goddard. Um, and, or no, I think Matt Reeves might have directed it, and I think Drew Goddard wrote it. I have the DVD right here. Yeah. Uh, it was directed by Matt Reeves and written by Drew Goddard. Okay. Goddard. Um, but, yeah, that came as a surprise to everyone also, because in the theater, like, I remember seeing the trailer in the theater and it was like when the trailer was announced and everything for the original Cloverfield, it didn't even have like a name on it. It just right. said like the release date. It was like, like eight, eight Oh eight or one eight Oh eight or something like that. And so it was like, there was this mystery around it and everything and it had all of these kind of, um, viral marketing things that went on up to the lead up to the, the release to hype it up and everything. And then, Fast forward to a couple years ago, Super Bowl, <laughs> uh, the Super Bowl ad for 10 Cloverfield Lane blew everyone away because it was the first announcement of the movie at all. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, hey, here's this movie. It's called 10 Cloverfield Lane coming out in about six weeks. And <laughs> that was it. Like, and I remember I put it on my list, on my top 10 list for that year. I think it was 2015 or mm-hmm. I think it was 2015. Um, or maybe 16, I don't know. But anyway, um, I put it on my list because specifically because well, it was a great movie, but also because there was a movie on this list that I had no idea was, was, was even on the radar 
Mm -hmm. like when I started the year. So it's just, I love that feeling. It's cool. Yeah. And uh, then now we have uh, the Cloverfield Paradox, which was announced as a, this was the, this was the boldest thing. Uh, They showed the trailer during the Super Bowl, and then they, like the campaign of it was that they were dropping it on Netflix immediately after the game. Mm -hmm. Like that's the thing that I kind of keep focusing on as, being just a fascinating thing. Um, the kind of behind the scenes of it, though, is kind of kind of a bummer um, because I was aware of this uh, movie. It was originally called The God Particle. It was kind of announced when 10 Cloverfield Lane was out, and they were saying, like, oh, this is going to be the next Cloverfield movie. Um, we're going to shoot it in the fall, blah, blah, blah. So it was shot and done and then kind of went off the schedule like was off the everyone's hmm. radar for a while. Yeah. Yeah, so over the last like month or so there's been rumors that um there were production problems and that they were going to just unceremoniously drop it somewhere or they were going to release it as a limited release in theaters or or something. Um and then there were rumors in the lead up to the Super Bowl that was like, "Oh, well, now the rumor is that Netflix is going to buy it and just post it as a as a Netflix movie." So there are some kind of behind the scenes issues there because they didn't know exactly what to do with it. But what they did with it, I thought was a genius move of, of marketing. Um, regardless of how you feel about the movie, the idea of them, of Netflix spending like, how much do, do Super Bowl ads run? Like, Oh, it's like 1 million, 2 million the first child. I don't know. Yeah. It's like a couple million for 30 seconds. Yeah. You know I mean, them spending that, and getting the first trailer footage, everything about this movie in front of a, a bunch of people's eyes and then releasing it immediately after the Super Bowl ends. Like that's, that's an incredible marketing strategy. And like what I, what I was, while I was firing up the movie after the Super Bowl, all I kept thinking was, what does this mean for like the future? Um, because, in, in specifically about network TV. So, like, NBC airs the Super Bowl, and each year, the end of year, end of the Super Bowl, the, the episode, uh, the time slot after the Super Bowl is a coveted time slot for television right. on NBC. Yeah. So this year was a very pivotal episode of uh, This Is Us, which, have you watched that show at all, Tiny? I've seen an episode or two. Okay, yeah, I, I have too. I didn't really like it, but I I've kind of kept a kept up with like what's going on in it and like mm-hmm. reading about this episode is like I kind of want to get back into it right or get into it for starters but anyway that's neither here nor there mm-hmm. but the point is that it is a very does do the networks change each year um it oh. it does hop around a lot okay yeah. cuz i was wondering yeah. cuz i remember like I don't think 24 had a after Super Bowl episode, but like there were other shows. Anyway, yeah. Um, so anyway, whatever network has the has it, they have a post episode or post football game time slot, and that's a coveted time slot. Yeah. So my thought is, what's going to happen to network TV if like is that like that's like sweeps week? That's like a like the quintessential like huge sweeps moment and everything is that one time slot. What's going to happen if Netflix siphons off so much of the viewers <laughs> by like, and granted, okay, the Cloverfield paradox, um, dipping into the review a little bit. It's, it's not a great movie, yeah, but it caught the attention of people. Like when I was watching it, like 
I was blown away because I was I, like I went on to Letterboxd and I looked and like my feed was all like people checking into the Cloverfield paradox. Social media was going crazy over it because of the marketing strategy. So my thought is what's going to happen to like okay, what's going to happen if the <laughs> if next year or a year uh, a year or two after that if Netflix is like, "Oh, here's the new season of Stranger Things right after the Super Bowl." Like people will go insane yeah totally and like i just i would be kind of shitting my pants if i was a network executive because this is like their thing (laughs) right their big ratings thing is the super bowl um yeah it's just it's just kind of a fascinating kind of thought experiment definitely yeah so let's get into our review of uh the cloverfield paradox um first of all first of all tiny real quick cloverfield and uh 10 cloverfield lane what'd you think Oh, um, I really dig both those movies. I feel mm-hmm. like um, Cloverfield came out. Uh, that that's when I feel like that's when found footage was at its peak. Um, and I feel like found mm-hmm. footage was still good back then. It's it's completely yeah. played out now. Yeah. Um, even especially from like a horror uh, aspect, it's mm-hmm. it is just done. Like it needs to stop. Um, I'm not saying that that subgenre is completely. There's nothing more it can offer. I don't know. I I wouldn't go that far. Right. But uh, I I feel like it needs to it needs to go away. It, it mostly has. I think there's not really. I can't think of any major releases in the last two or three years that were found footage. Um, yeah. Anyways, but I feel like that is a that is one of the best examples of found footage is mm-hmm. is Cloverfield, and I think it's just a cool movie. I I I enjoyed the heck out of it when it first came out and uh mm-hmm. i've watched it a few times since i think it's a really good movie um and then 10 cloverfield lane was just it, i mean the, the what's so great about the whole franchise is that it's just so diverse and it's not mm-hmm. it doesn't fit into a box and like all three movies are so distinctly different from one another it's it's completely unique in that regard and so i love how the first movie is just so so on the nose and very like you, you know what, like you, you understand the dynamic completely. It's about you know, it's, it's a monster movie. Mm-hmm. Um, just happens to be a unique story for him, st- storytelling format, uh, with the found footage. And then the second one, it's this pretty mysterious people down in a bunker. And it's like, it, it kind of loosely fits into the franchise. And I was mm-hmm. like, it's almost like, someone had the idea to make this bunker movie and they just kind of rammed it into the Cloverfield yeah. uh, franchise. And like, and like I was, I was like, that's fine. That's, that's great. Like mm. I it didn't, it didn't bother me at all. And I think it ended up working really well. And that movie is so like chilling. And mm-hmm. I think that's my favorite of the three, 10 Cloverfield lane. Um, yeah. My, yeah. It's, it's kind of a toss up between the first two. Cause I mean, same here. They're like I said, they're just so so different mm-hmm. apples to oranges kind of thing um <laughs> but yeah it's i don't i don't know if i yeah I, i'd have to say 10 cloverfield lane is my favorite but uh mm-hmm. but yeah it, it's just it's it's just crazy how different the movies are from one another but they're still mm-hmm. a trilogy or a franchise together it's yeah. it's so cool um i i really enjoyed the first two um <laughs> quite a bit Nice. And yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, when 10 Cloverfield Lane came out, I was very excited about it just because I loved the idea of 
them not making like not making a continuation of the Cloverfield story, but having this air of mystery and having this brand that's just Cloverfield. Like it's it was referred to as a blood relative of the original. Um and I took that to mean that okay, it's not connected to it directly. It's just it's a branding thing. Like Twilight Zone is an episodic anthology show and that's kind of the thing that they were going with as far as like monster movies and stuff. Um, and I love the first one so much. I, I really, really, I really adore that movie. Um, I remember reading, like I was part of the hype when it was coming up, coming out, but like, I remember reading how JJ Abrams like was on a trip to Japan or something. And he like the genesis of the Cloverfield idea was that he realized that, like America and American cinema doesn't have like a a Godzilla monster. Um mm-hmm. so he wanted to kind of create that. Um and at the time, like I was all for like, man, they should they could make like a whole bunch of like like Cloverfield versus Mecha Cloverfield. <laughs> <laughs> like they could have done that. Yeah. But hindsight, like I'm very pleased with how they handled it because it's 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 all like uh a brand like a different uh, it's a brand rather than a franchise it's different different types of genre filmmaking with the cloverfield like idea and title mm-hmm. um so it's not connected or anything and we'll talk about that after the review cuz i have some kind of i have some soapboxes to get on <laughs> but uh yeah so that's how we felt about Cloverfield and Clo- 10 Cloverfield Lane. The Cloverfield Paradox, according to IMDb, the plot description is orbiting a planet on the brink of war. Scientists test a device to solve an energy crisis and end up face to face with a dark alternate reality. So this movie has a very interesting cast. Um, the lead, uh, Ava, is played by, and I'm going to butcher her name. I did it on my anthology <laughs> bonus review and everything. Um Gugu Mambatha Ra, and uh, it also has David Oyelowo, uh, Daniel Bruhl, uh, Chris O'Dowd, and uh, a bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, so we heard about this movie Sunday night, right? and we saw it Sunday night. Three hours before it came out. Yeah. yeah. And now it's it's Wednesday night, and we're talking about it. Tiny, what were your overall thoughts and what were your expectations going into the Cloverfield Paradox? Um, man, I, overall, I I did enjoy it. Um, I enjoy it a lot. I enjoyed it a lot, but it's, I feel like I have to kind of separate two different things because, as far as the way it fits into the franchise or the trilogy, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. um, I kind of love it. I kind of love the way they fit it in, and I I, I love the way it folds into the other movies and, and explains the other movies to an extent. Um, I just think it's, I just think it's super, it was super clever how they played out this whole franchise over the last decade. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a, in, in, in the scope and scale of the franchise, I love what they did, mm-hmm. but then looking at it as an individual movie, it was okay. Yeah. Um, it, there's, there's a lot of issues with it. Um, it needed, definitely needed some editing in the, in the writing, uh, mm-hmm. the, the script needed some editing. It was a little sloppy here and there and the plots kind of, kind of drags here and then it kind of goes a little too quickly with this part and it's just, it's a little bit 
I don't want to say all over the place, but it kind of it kind of loses its way as far as the the plot goes and the story and stuff like that. Um, so it's it's a little bit messy, but I just I was so satisfied and happy with the way it fit into the franchise that I kind of overlooked those other things. Um, okay. And uh, and I, I'm glad you mentioned the cast because I love the cast. I was so surprised. Yeah. Like I remember seeing the trailer, and the trailer is very very cutty and very flashy and mm-hmm. very quick and it's you can't you don't get to see a lot really necessarily um but i remember like they showed a, a shot of the cast and i was like is that daniel Bruhl? they had daniel Bruhl in this <laughs> right. movie that's crazy um i figured it'd be a bunch of like no-name actors mm-hmm. and then you know chris o'dowd and david oyelowo and i was like dang this is like a pretty cool cast like it's there's some notable people in this cast and i think mm-hmm. it was cool that they were able to pull that off i mean yeah, I I don't it, it's interesting that like the first the first movie had essentially nobody in it really. Yeah. And then the second movie has like a, a what I would consider a legend. John Goodman is like one of my favorite mm-hmm. actors. I think he's incredible. So it's like that movie's kind of like rooted in like this guy is like you know everyone knows who John Goodman is. Right. And then this movie is kind of like these kind of like kind of like hot i would say like hot actors like you mm-hmm. you see them and you're like something shoots off in your brain like oh i remember seeing them and i remember seeing that guy in selma and like mm-hmm. i remember seeing her in black mirror and oh that's a guy from uh, the it crowd and from right. uh uh bridesmaids. bridesmaids and stuff like that yeah. you know and so it's like it's like a very like right now hot kind of uh mm-hmm. kind of uh cast and it's just it's again it's interesting how that fits into the franchise it's so it's such departure from the other two movies and like i just i love that i think it's so cool how it's like it's like the most diverse franchise ever in the history of movies Mm -hmm. because they just do something different every time while being the same if that makes sense yeah it almost doesn't i mean it's just i don't know i i i'm so excited that they did this and like Mm -hmm. how they did it and like I feel like this movie is so much more than just just the movie itself. It's more it's more than just a movie about a cast of people in space trying to create this new source of energy. You know what I'm saying? Like that's right. it, on on the scale and on the on the whole of what this movie is, that's just one small part of it. Mm-hmm. And that one small part was just okay. But all the other stuff I thought was so great and just really hooked me in and I think was creatively a great decision, great, great decision making and, and good stuff. So it's, it's kind of hard to objectively talk about it, but yeah, uh, ultimately I, I did enjoy it and I, I, I was excited about it and I'm excited to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Nice. And I'm, I'm excited to dig into it deeper Yeah, and we'll probably have this kind of vague non-spoiler thing be brief. Cause I mean, honestly, it's, the movie's an hour and 40-some minutes long. Right. It's available on Netflix. If you haven't watched it or or if you're um, hesitant to watch it or, or what have you, it's not going to cost you any money. It's just going to cost you time if you have mm-hmm. a Netflix subscription. But anyway, um, yeah, my overall thoughts on it are that this was a perfectly mediocre science fiction space movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it depended a lot on cliches and um things from other movies of its ilk 
that had this had it not been tied to Cloverfield, I, I mean, it, it would have been a perfectly serviceable space movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the Cloverfield tie-in made it a little bit more um, interesting to me and a little more engaging. Um, still kind of problematic, but uh, I'll get into that in spoilers. But overall, I mean, I had an enjoyable time, and I agree. The cast is amazing, and it's it's really cool to see like just people pop up that you didn't you don't expect that there's one like cameo in this movie that's like what the where did this come like what like on a screen i'm like what is what's this person doing in this movie (laughs) um like he's not like a huge name actor or anything but he's very noticeable from stuff that i've seen i'm just like it's such a weird kind of expository scene but um it's just it's really entertaining um at the concept, the concept level spelled out, the concept of it spelled out in the, um, in the IMDb plot summary. I, I like it. It's a concept of a bunch of astronauts on a space station with a particle accelerator that they're trying to find a way to get renewable energy so that they can, you know, the planet can survive. Like, it's a good premise. Um, I do feel like when it gets into the, kind of alternate universe kind of thing that's kind of hinted at in the, uh, in the plot description that felt a little, I don't want to say heavy handed, but it felt like it was kind of, well, heavy handed. It was, it was, it was kind of spelled out to us a little too, uh, straightforward in the stuff that the kind of side effects of it weren't explained enough. Like if that makes sense, like it's yeah. kind of immediately like, Oh, this is what's happening. And then things happen. And it's like, Oh, let's not worry about why that's happening. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just it seemed it seemed kind of off kilter, like you said, Tiny. I think it needed some uh, a few like polishes or a few rewrites before they went to shoot it because yeah. there were some things that just did not add up for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the Cloverfield tie-in is cool. Um, we'll have to have a longer discussion in spoilers about the kind of way it ties everything together and the way it ties together with the other movies mm-hmm. because it's it's somewhat of a point of contention with me. How I like I'll read. I've read a lot of like like reviews on Letterboxd and stuff that's like this is just a a garbage space movie that they slap the Cloverfield name on and and they kind of a lot of the reviews take the point of view of this is Cloverfield 3 and it does it still doesn't make any sense or or this is Cloverfield 3 and it, like my whole thing is that it's not a franchise it's a brand um and I feel like there's a longer discussion to be had after we review the actual movie. But before we, uh, before we get to that, let's actually review the movie. And I think we can kind of dive into spoilers at this point. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to go into spoilers. I'm going to play a clip from the trailer and then, uh, we will dive into spoilers for the Cloverfield paradox. I have to be quick. Whatever you're doing right now, stop. Go to your children right now. Kiss them. Hold them for as long as you can. That's all there is. Right now. Someone on Reddit posted a video that was... Let me see if I can cast it to my screen. Um, they posted a video... That was uh, Cloverfield and the Cloverfield Paradox sync up in a surprising way. It's at the exact same moment that the earthquake happens. The particle accelerator goes (laughs) on the fritz. Huh. Yeah. 
That's cool. Yeah, apparently purely coincidence. Really? Yeah, okay. which, you know, okay, first of all, that's just, that's a really cool coincidence. Mm-hmm. Um, second of all, it's, uh, I don't want to say it's not as impressive as it seems, because it is, but um, for context, because I'm not sure how I'm going to edit this, I just showed Tiny a video of a uh, split screen of Cloverfield and the Cloverfield Paradox, where 18 minutes and 20 seconds into each movie, that's the moment that, like, the the earthquake happens in Cloverfield and the particle accelerator goes on the fritz in the Cloverfield paradox. So at the exact same moment they the plot accelerates and uh on the surface it's like that's a cool coincidence but on the on the other hand it's like well you know if you map out the plot of the movie I mean you know it would make sense that at like this specific mark you know maybe something will happen to keep the audience engaged. Yeah. So but it's down to the second. Yeah, but down to the second. It's pretty That's, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're spoilers on for the Cloverfield Paradox. And um, where should we begin? Tiny, do you have anything that's jumping out? For, well, okay. Let me say this. If I ever lose my arm, I want to be able to take it as coolly as Chris O'Dowd did. Right. <laughs> like, that was probably the one thing that bothered me the most about this movie is that this dude loses his arm. I don't understand why. Like I don't, yeah. I have no understanding of why. Um, and then it's just like they're he's just perfectly okay with it. It's like right that that bothered me so much. Yeah, um, that was strange. Yeah, I love Chris O'Dowd though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you catch? And this is j- jumping around a little bit. Well, I'll talk about that later. Anyway, forget that. Uh, so yeah. So, what did you think of the movie? <laughs> Not um, spoilers. Well, the the whole Chris O'Dowd losing his arm thing. I I agree. I think it was kind of weird that he was so cool about it, but mm. I think it was just the fact that he like had no pain whatsoever, and it was like yeah, he could still feel it or whatever. He, fe- I don't know. Yeah, but it still also, doesn't excuse it. But no. I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate. I'm not. Dis- no, 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 I'm not no, disagreeing you. with you. No, you're fine. Um, and yeah, I, I understand that like, cause they do reference that like, okay, well it's like he was born that way. Um, yeah. which also like the visual effects of the stump, like that doesn't look like he was born that way. It looks <laughs> like it was just like, looks like someone took a lightsaber and cauterized it when they chopped right, it off. Right. But, um, but yeah, and that's, that's, and I get that. Like they do reference him being like in shock, I guess. So I do get that, but I just I feel like the problem with that for me is that he is the comic relief character and then when the shocking moment of him losing his arm happens he's still the comic relief character. Right. And some of the comic relief just did not work for me. Yeah. <laughs> it felt pretty flat. Um but also just the lack of explaining like I get it. Okay, I can I can understand like they're in an alternate dimension and they're kind of bumping up against this other dimension. So yeah, I guess that can you can explain that as like why the wall like swallowed his arm and cuz it's just like there're two different planes of existence existing in the same plane of existence like sure, you know, he can get into the get in like uh a surface could be malleable or or right. It can be it can be kind of weird physicky things. Mm-hmm. Uh same reason why the one lady ended up in the in the, in wall. the wall. Right. Yeah, like I can get that. I can get behind that. But the fact that the arm starts writing 
and writes them a message like that that's where the movie almost lost me because yeah. i was just like why what's controlling this arm is this like what's what is what is this about like what the hell is going on well like obviously the arm they find is alternate realities chris o'dowd's arm okay they did oh yeah okay so they but it's like why did they both lose their arm yeah like was his arm writing messages to the alternate universe Mm -hmm. crew like i i don't know i I don't know but i think yeah i mean i i kind of got it and Mm -hmm. like i don't know i i didn't have as big of a problem with it but yeah and it's it's kind of like i think we you kind of like have to make inferences so like the the arm wrote the message you know look in open cut open the guy and it's like it's kind of it's kind of an inference that in the alternate universe they maybe when he died he exploded and they found the cube thing inside him and so they were trying Mm -hmm. to convey that to the other side it's like it's almost like there's going to be a fourth movie where it's the (laughs) alternate universe and they're just oh that would be interesting yeah and it's like all these little things are gonna come back it's Mm -hmm. like oh so that's why in the third movie this happened you know that'd be interesting they are i don't know working on the fourth movie are they okay supposedly grain of salt it's supposed to be like hitting theaters this year <laughs> like Jeez. late this year wow yeah I'd, I'd rather just have them keep it a franchise or keep it a trilogy yeah i, I yeah yeah okay I well yeah let's let's scale it back a little bit um first of all like going into the movie it's it's fascinating to me because watching the trailer and having that two three hours after watching the trailer between between the time watching the trailer and going home and watching the movie um, I still got like my hopes up just a little bit. Um, mm. and I thought that was kind of interesting because I don't like to get my hopes up on things. Right. Um, so I was ultimately a little let down because the movie is about alternate dimensions and how they, how they come into play with each other and everything. But what I feel like, like, did, okay. Did you ever see the movie, uh, coherence? Uh, I believe so. What is that? Okay, that movie is about a group of friends who meet at like a cabin or something, or they have like a poker night or something like a game night, some some kind of event where it's a group of friends at at a secluded location, and a comet passes overhead, and then some weird stuff happens where there are two different timelines, or there are like two different, uh, two different universes converging on on one so they are basically at the whim or playing mind games with this alternate version of themselves and so it's it's a very good like science fiction movie and Mm -hmm. it is very it's very uh primer-esque in the way that it's kind of it's a little convoluted but it's it's the best kind of science fiction that it's thought-provoking and it makes you kind of it commands your attention a lot so going into this movie i thought okay well there's going to be like an alternate dimension like maybe there's something like there's going to be some like weird like mind-boggling kind of thing but what we got was this movie that's half them on the space station just experiencing weird shit at the whim of weird shit and then a subplot with um uh ava's husband on earth kind of reacting to this uh these strange occurrences of these monsters and stuff which 
uh, I'm kind of back and forth about the the Earth subplot. Um, what did you think of it? I was I'm like I was like entirely against it. Oh really? I thought it was just completely ruined the um, the pacing and everything and the. It just, I think it just kind of it, it was it was it threw a wrench in in the how the story played out. I guess it was just. I, I don't. I don't think it was necessary. I think it would make sense to have that final shot where their escape capsule mm-hmm. is coming down to Earth, and then the monster pops up. Yeah, Th- that's all you needed on Earth, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Like, I don't think, and and I think the whole uh, the whole thing where I don't remember the character's name, uh, the the black actress. Uh, uh, oh, uh, Ava. Ava, thank yeah. you. Um, she, you know how she, like she lost her kids and everything, and that's mm-hmm. she's you know in the alternate universe she's gonna stay and all that, and like that was all. I just didn't care. Like again, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was necessary. I don't think it. And I mean, ultimately, like she didn't even end up staying in the alternate universe, and so like right. it was all. It was almost like a red herring. It was just very. It was just unnecessary and i feel like you could have used that time much more wisely and <clears throat> mm-hmm. had a, had a much more tethered plot and then than that i i think it was i guess it made her character a little more deep and all that but mm-hmm. it it i didn't care enough about the character to really need that much depth to her that's interesting because that's one part of the movie that I actually connected with a really? little bit. Okay. Um, specifically Ava's backstory with her kids and everything and how the kind of emotional crux of the movie is that she wants to go back or she wants to stay so that she can, uh, you know, save her kids from dying. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that's – and the reason why that was effective for me was that that was really the only emotional anchor for the audience at all. Um mm-hmm. Michael on Earth, her husband on Earth, uh, with the little girl felt like just a subplot that it felt like a B plot for a TV episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't really connect with me really at all. And what I was left thinking was that, okay, this movie apes, um, certain space movies. Like it is very derivative of Alien, Sunshine. Yeah. Sunshine, which itself was derivative of Alien mm-hmm. uh, to an extent, but it did it in a way in a in a story that was told its own thing and and had its own messages and meanings and 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 statements and everything. But this just felt like an amalgamation of so many different like space cliches and space station like isolated movies, yeah, um, kind of thrown together and. One of the big failings of it is that I feel like um, uh, the character of Ava is the only one that's given really any dimension. Um, and part of the reason is because they spent so much time with Michael on Earth, and I feel like they could have excised that entire subplot given a half an hour of screen time toward you know developing the other characters on the space station and mm-hmm. developing the other characters. Like, we get... like. Daniel Bruhl and uh, and the scientist. Uh, I don't remember what she's her like the role engi- was. The Asian woman. Yeah, the Asian woman. She. I don't she's remember the what engineer. the role was. Yeah, the engineer. Yeah. Like they have a romantic relationship, I guess. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, and then like his counterpart in the other universe was a spy or was a saboteur, but right. You don't. 
you're only seeing one side of this two universes thing. And I mean, that's, that's an interesting concept because sure. I mean, we have this one person from the other, from the other universe who is, you know, knows all of these people, but they don't know her at all. And mm-hmm. like, that's an interesting kind of wrinkle to bring into this. But also it's like, it would be more interesting if we had like, you know, both perspectives yeah, uh, a little bit better and the time to develop the characters within each perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, like the moment where uh, the captain um, uh, takes Daniel Brühl and, and, and locks him away. Yeah. Like at that moment where he's like, I saw your communications and, everything i was like like i was lost like i i didn't know like it took me a while to realize like oh they're because he's reading the communications from the alternate universe right but it just it didn't connect with me uh from a plot perspective yeah in that regard it was it was jumbled yeah 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 uh what did you think of like kind of the action sequences or the visual effects part of it um it was fairly standard i don't think any of it really jumped out or stood out to me. Um, I do think the, I was very like squeamish and unsettled where in the scene where like Jensen, uh, they found Jensen in the wall. Like that was, that was like yeah. horror movie freaked mm-hmm. me out. She's like, it's like her body apparated like in Harry Potter, but yes. apparated like with, tubes going through her body right. and conduit and stuff going th- I was like holy crap that's just so it was just so unsettling I guess yeah. um like when <laughs> I've been watching a lot of ER yeah and so like I've had like I've I've seen hours worth of like the characters on ER doing like like traumas where they're where they're like rapidly fixing fixing a patient that's brought in like with gunshot wounds and stuff mm-hmm. And like with the camera like going all around the room and everything, and then like when that happens, I'm like, oh my god, this is our Paige Benton. Let's let's get this let's get this woman into surgery and stuff. <laughs> but like when they got her out and they're they're like fixing her up, I'm like, oh, this is a science fiction movie. They can just easily like oh, right. just do this and fix her up. Exactly. Um. Yeah. But <laughs> but yeah, uh, that I thought was very very effective. That and then the one part where um the water is filling up the airlock mm-hmm. and we get our, uh, it, it had to be a lost homage. It, it just had to, Yeah. where she's putting her hand up to the window right? when she's about to not necessarily drown. Like I thought that that was very cool. Totally. The, the airlock coming undone and then just the instantly frozen, instantly freezing it. I thought that yeah. was very cool. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so that that was cool, and then let's see what let's see what other visual effects were there. The actual visual effects of like the the particle accelerator and everything. Anything stand out there? Um, again, just kind of standard. Standard. It didn't really didn't jump out at me at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not, not that it was bad though. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Did you okay? We we were talking a little bit about the monster and everything at the end and the the last shot. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was let down by that because, like, okay, and I'll get into my rant on my soapbox and everything in a moment. But the trailer said like ten years ago, Cloverfield 
now tonight find out what happened mm-hmm. or why it happened and like i guess the and this is can lead into us talking a little bit about the kind of uh ramifications for the for all the movies and how they interconnect and everything if they do but they it, i guess the implication is that you know what they did in the cloverfield paradox unleashed monsters over across different universes mm-hmm. and the original cloverfield is like oh that's one of ours <laughs> all right um but what i was hoping for what i was really hoping for um is if they were going to connect it if they were going to make it all interconnected and make it make more sense as a franchise rather than a brand is that i don't remember if, or i don't know if you remember this from the original cloverfield but at the end of the movie when they show the kind of the frame story of the of the original Cloverfield, which I thought that was such a brilliant framing device, mm-hmm. having the tape cut out to uh, the the kind of the the male lead and his romantic interest there, like day after they hook up, where they go to Coney Island or something, and so the end of the movie is them on a Ferris wheel, and then they're saying like, "Oh, I had a great day and everything after we just saw like them, you know, die," mm-hmm. but. Um, in the background, you see something crash down into the water. Right. Yeah. And so I was so certain that this movie was going to like lead up to that. Yeah. Like, judging from that trailer, I thought, okay, we're going to see what crashes down because this is a space movie. <laughs> yeah. And the trailer just told us that it's telling us why it happened. Mm-hmm. But they didn't do that. They went for the big budget kind of like monster effect, which was cool. Yeah. Um, but I just I felt a little bit let down by that. But I'll talk more when I get on my soapbox. But right. how did you feel about the connection to Cloverfield? I guess and Cloverfield um, as a concept. I I kind of loved it. Frankly, that's my favorite part of all mm. of it. Is nice. that I think this. I don't know if I'd call this retconning, but it does it does tie all three of them together for and me. How do you how do you feel like that it does? Because I have some because I feel questions. like the the particle accelerator was successful and it was so much energy and so powerful that it it ripped holes through space and time and that's what in, in different universes and so that's what what it let in the, it, it let in the, the todash monsters yeah <laughs> that's the other podcast man. yeah tower junkies anyway <laughs> go ahead but yeah so it, it ripped holes through space and time and so even though like I feel like all three movies are in different un- alternate universes. Mm-hmm. And so the first Cloverfield movie, the earthquake, quote unquote, mm-hmm. when the attack on New York City first started, that was a result of the the particle accelerator malfunctioning in the Cloverfield paradox. Okay, yeah. Right. And... And same thing in the yeah. second movie. It's the event that caused John Goodman to mm-hmm. go down into his bunker was created by that same thing. Mm-hmm. So that's what ties them all together in my book, and that's why I think it makes it a tight, a tight trilogy that all links together. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm not, I'm not too thrilled about the idea of a fourth movie. To right. be honest, I. But it, we'll we'll see what it remains to be seen. But uh, sure. But yeah, I I, just, I love the way that, that ties together. And then all three movies had this clever marketing gimmick to them. Mm-hmm. And then 
I love how they're all like three completely different genres. The yeah. first one's like a monster movie. Second one is almost like a noirish drama. It's like, a, it's like an isolated like right saw esque type thing. Yeah, and then the third one's like this pretty hard sci fi or a pretty it's more of a soft sci fi. Yeah. Um, sci-fi movie space sci-fi movie so there's all all three of them are distinctly different genres but they're so they can be so linked together so well Mm -hmm. and 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 so understandably it's just they're all suspenseful and science fiction right as a franchise i just love that i Mm -hmm. i really just i can't i can't think of any other trilogies that are like that yeah i really can't either completely different completely different genres and just mm-hmm. different movies like that, but they're all linked together. I can't think of anything. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I was going to say, because these aren't linked together, but the Cornetto trilogy. Yeah, but, that's true. Yeah. But they're all comedies and, yeah. you know. But they all play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and. One's sci-fi, one's action, one's horror. That's true. Right. But yeah, they're all comedies as well. <laughs> Th- that's that's That'd be probably the closest example. Right. And I kind of feel yeah. like. Do we do we have anything more to say really about the movie? Um, yeah, I'm not sure what else I would have to say about okay. it. Um, um, yeah, it's funny because I own Cloverfield on DVD. I own Ten Cloverfield Lane on Blu-ray, and now I I have the Cloverfield Paradox on Netflix. Right. <laughs> um, That's true. Yeah. Different formats. Uh huh. Um, yeah. So I I think that I would I. In, in terms of rating the movie or, or giving kind of final thoughts on the movie, um, the Cloverfield Paradox, which, by the way, we didn't talk about uh, Donald Logue's, like, cameo yeah. appearance. That was that was such an exposition dump. Yeah, it was. But it was kind of a delight because I I like him in, as an actor and I like his kind of, like, crazy conspiracy theory character. Mm-hmm. Um that I thought it was kind of, kind of nice but really kind of lazy. Yeah, a little bit. Um but overall, like I said, this movie was perfectly mediocre. I probably would have rated it lower if it didn't exist in – it didn't occupy two two parts of things that I love. So it was a Cloverfield branded movie, which I, I love this kind of idea that they're running with. Um, and I mean it's a, it's a space science fiction movie. Like it's a – people isolated on a space station it's it's event horizon it's um alien it's sunshine like these are all uh, movies life. that I, life uh these are all movies that i enjoy and so i kind of give it not necessarily a pass but i i kind of think it uh deserves a little bit of credit or not credit but i don't know i guess give it a little bit of a pass because it's even though it's cribbing a lot from movies that i enjoy it's still an enjoyable movie because it's there's a reason why I enjoyed those movies mm-hmm. that it's shamelessly stealing from. Right. Yeah. Um, over, any overall thoughts? Yeah, I ended up giving it uh, three and a half out of five stars. Nice. Um, which is maybe a little generous, but again, I think if if it was just a standalone movie with the plot, the, the soft sci-fi, I guess mm-hmm. it would have been like two two and a half stars yeah but just when when i add in the it's it's place in the franchise and and all that the brand i love the way they tied all three movies together and mm-hmm. i everything else about it i loved the marketing and and the fact that they put it on netflix and mm-hmm. there's just so much other stuff to love about the movie that 
I mean, I, I chose to stay up till like one o'clock in the morning to watch right. it after the after the Super Bowl, and I was very tired on Monday, and I still haven't fully recovered. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I was so excited about that, and just all those things played into bumping it up a whole another star level, essentially. So I I ultimately I enjoyed it quite a bit. I think. Maybe I'm going to shelf the franchise for a while. I haven't watched the first Cloverfield mm-hmm. in a long time. But, you know, in a few years, I think it'd be cool to just watch all three movies in a row and just kind of take it all in at once, I guess. Um, it, I, I think it, it'll be something cool to show my future son mm-hmm. or daughter. Like, like no one's ever done this before with a franchise or a trilogy. Like, this is... You never, like, sit down and show them Cloverfield. But, like, there's two more movies about this event or about this story. And I was like, they're completely different than this and Mm -hmm. no other franchise has ever done anything like this. And you know, this is going to be one of the more unique things you will ever see as far as movies go. And I I don't know if anyone is going to try to do something like this again. It might just be the the Cloverfield might be that unique of a franchise for Mm -hmm. the extent of our lifetime. And that just, for me, that's just incredible. And yep. I, I just enjoyed this. I enjoyed this button on the end of the story, the Cloverfield story. So but I know there's, there's a fourth movie coming nice. out. Damn it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that that kind of throws a wrench in that sentiment, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I'm enjoying it for now. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, so yeah, so may I get on a slight soapbox just a little bit? Okay. Okay. So like, <sighs> I read a lot of like reviews and and comments about this movie that's saying that like uh, I I don't know it feels like this movie is getting shit on a lot mm-hmm. and to some extent that is very fair like I said there are some very uh big issues with the movie some things I didn't connect with some things that you didn't connect with mm-hmm. and kind of overall it's kind of a it's kind of a standard kind of science fiction movie. Mm-hmm. Um but I feel like the 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 Cloverfield branding of it is to its detriment because it's like so many of the like little blurbs and everything I've read are is that uh oh this this Cloverfield this is the worst of the trilogy. It's um I don't know where I'm going with this, but basically it's saying that because it's a Cloverfield movie it's hold, held to a higher standard i guess Hmm. and so it's kind of viewed as the third installment of a trilogy whereas i feel like that's putting the reviewer or the audience at a disadvantage because it's not necessarily the third chapter of a of a continuous story or it's not a sequel to 10 cloverfield lane it is its own standalone thing and i feel like that's something that's getting kind of lost in the in the conversation about the movie And that's uh, just kind of a bummer to me because it's, while it is a perfectly mediocre movie, I think that it's getting kind of shit on a little bit too heavily because, because it's got the Cloverfield name. Yeah. Um, which I don't know. I think that maybe this idea of a anthology style, um, science fiction, horror genre movie brand um not franchise brand <laughs> um i guess franchise applies to it too um 
is like while that I I think that that idea is great because I'm a big fan of that type of movie like science fiction horror like sci-fi horror I I love that so I think that anything that gets audiences more interested in that is a good thing but having them kind of view it as like this is the next Cloverfield movie as opposed to um so it's it's going to have ramifications for the rest of the Cloverfield movies or it's going to have it's going to tie in more closely to the other ones. I know that I'm kind of second guessing myself or, or um contradicting myself because I I was kind of expecting the end of the movie to be that shot to tie into the first movie, but it just kind of feels kind of a shame that people are kind of viewing it as the third movie in a franchise rather than the third movie in a brand of movie. Or the third, I don't know. I don't know. Am I making any sense? Yeah, people are kind of looking at it as more of a conclusion than another entry. Yeah. Yeah. Which, that's kind of how I'm looking at it, as more mm-hmm. of a the third movie in a trilogy, as opposed to the third mm-hmm. entry in a franchise. Gotcha. But yeah. that doesn't tarnish, that actually enhances my enjoyment of it, not tarnish my opinion of it. Interesting. And see, so, you're in the minority there. Right, absolutely. Because a lot yeah. of people were pissed off that, yeah, yeah, it was just like, oh, they slapped Cloverfield on it. And like right. the kind of subtext of what I read was that, oh, they're ruining the Cloverfield name by slapping this on an unrelated movie. It's like, okay, well, that's the best way to do that. Like mm-hmm. it's, even if it's a subpar movie, like that's the same thing that they did with 10 Cloverfield Lane. That movie was originally called Valencia or right. no, it was, that was the code name for it. I think the original name was the seller mm-hmm. and it, they polished it up and made it connected to, to, to Cloverfield. And like it by itself is a very strong narrative and very strong movie mm-hmm. and it works. Like I would love that for like, I love that as a concept, like, you know, get an original an original screenplay, uh, turn it around a little bit to tie it into Cloverfield a little bit and get it off the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, this could probably be counted as a failure on that just because it uh, wasn't as strong of a script as 10 Cloverfield Lane or even Cloverfield was. But like I said, I, the emotional part of it, the, the whole thing with the kids kind of worked for me, mm-hmm. but the other stuff just didn't. Gotcha. Yeah. So anyway, that's my light soapbox there. But yeah. Um. So yeah, let us know what you thought of of the Cloverfield paradox. I keep wanting to say ten Cloverfield Lane. Um. And we're gonna kind of dive into our potpourri section to end the podcast. Mm -hmm. So potpourri for our first time listeners is the section of the podcast where we talk about whatever we want, uh, anything we're looking forward to, anything that we've watched lately, anything we want as long as it smells good. Um, so yeah, so Tiny, I think I'm going to bring up two things probably. Okay, I just have one. Okay, so I will get us kicked off as soon as I pick what, oh, that's what I'm going to bring up. Um, okay, so Tiny, have you watched, um, The Good Place at all? No. Okay, have you heard about it? I think so. Is that, uh, Kristen Bell and Ted Danson? Yeah. I haven't watched any of it, but I'm vaguely familiar with it. Okay, so the first season is available in its entirety on Netflix. Okay. And it just recently finished its second season. Um, I think it airs on NBC. So it is executive produced by Michael Schur. I think that, mm. Yeah. Who, he played Moe's in The Office. Right. And he also is, you know, a 
very prolific television writer. He, I think, co-created Brooklyn Nine-Nine, as well as wrote for The Office and Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec, yeah. So, yeah. So, he's very, he's a, he's a big name. Mm-hmm. So, this show is about a woman, played by Kristen Bell, who dies and goes to the afterlife. So, mm-hmm. the afterlife <laughs> is separated into the good place and the bad place. <laughs> so the good place is for people who are incredibly like just good people, salt of the earth, like or not salt of the earth, but like giving people who are very like charity driven and just very obnoxiously good people. Mm-hmm. And so the whole premise of the show is that Kristen Bell is a terrible person <laughs> who has been mistakenly, placed in the good place and the whole show is basically her trying to conceal that like conceal that fact and ted danson plays kind of the architect of the good place he's not god but he's like he's the architect of her neighborhood Hmm. um and it's he's he's a freaking delight like ted danson is a national treasure in my book (laughs) he is he's phenomenal in this and then Kristen bell like okay so i my like view of Kristen Bell, like like her, my view of her um her range, I guess, is she kind of plays. She always kind of plays this kind of not necessarily like sweet person, but kind of this. Granted, I haven't really watched Veronica Mars, but like mm-hmm. I keep like my image of her is the like the the sloth uh, video on Ellen where. <laughs> Ellen shows her a video of a sloth and she starts crying because she loves sloths so much. Right. So I think of her as like, oh, she seems like a very sweet person. And to see her playing this character that is just like morally uh, unbalanced and just kind of kind of a dick to everyone <laughs> is such a blast because A, it's it's playing against type, what I what I view of, of Kristen Bell. And also it's the type of it's the type of performance that you can kind of like the energy of it, given the tone of the uh, tone of the show, it kind of it feels like you can feel just how much she's loving playing this type of character. Hmm. So it's it's really great. It's kind of this great like anti-hero kind of story in this silly uh, sitcom series about the afterlife. It's it's a very weird thing, but as the season progresses, there's so much just really really interesting twists and turns that it takes. And there are some very interesting like guest appearances and concepts that are brought up later in this season that I just, I had such a blast watching it. It was, it was a lot of fun. Nice. Um, and yeah, like I said, the first season is on, uh, Netflix and then the second season just wrapped up. It's funny. You mentioned the, the FX, um, app earlier because I, I was so floored by the end of the season. Like I was so, so ready to watch more of the good place that I was like, okay, well I don't, it's not available on Hulu. So Hulu only has like the last like four or five episodes. So I was like, I don't really feel like going through less than legal channels to download the episodes. Um, I don't feel like buying the episodes if they're going to end up on Netflix. Plus I'm broke. Um, (laughs) so I was kind of like, you know what? I'm going to just going to download the, the NBC app and just watch it on there using my mom's login ID and everything because I don't have okay. a cable subscription like that. Um, I wonder if I would work on that since it's NBC. But anyway, yeah. Um, so I started watching it, and it's like, man, they do not make it easy. Like, <laughs> first of all, uh, 
I think the episode was an hour long episode, but like there were little notches on the, um, on the, on the, on the screen that showed like, I mean, there would have been an ad every probably four to five minutes. Um, and I was just like, I'm not, I'm not about that life. Um, and then ever since I got to the Hulu, no ads, I'm, I'm just above that. Yeah. Um, so I was just like, I'm in, like, it was just really spotty in terms of like buffering and stuff. So it was borderline unwatchable. So I'm going to have to find a way to get the rest of the episodes. Cause I'm, I'm really, I'm really digging the good place. Nice. Yeah. And it also inspired me to seeing Ted Danson play. Cause he, he plays this character who is like so inherently good. Like he's good natured but he's dealing with these little crises that are popping up. Mm -hmm. So his reaction to it is like, it's, it's this very interesting uh, way to play the character in which the, he's just kind of, uh, he's, I don't, I don't know how to characterize it. He's just, he's just a blast to watch because he is so good natured, but he is, but his energy is so up because he's so stressed out. But it's like he's so good natured he doesn't understand how to be stressed out <laughs> and angry about things. Interesting. So it's it's such a fun kind of role for him to play. So I highly recommend it. It's only like eleven or twelve episodes and it's half hour comedy. I mean you can breeze right through it. It's it's a blast. Cool. Yeah, and that's a good place. And uh Tiny, what's your potpourri? Um I wanted to talk about Mother, uh the latest oh, nice. Darren Aronofsky movie. Um I watched it by myself Paige was not interested mm-hmm. at all in it so um i um i ended up liking the movie it it would not have made my top 10 definitely mm-hmm. um possibly an honorable mention i'm not sure um but i i ended up liking the movie it's just it, it was such a such a quirky movie that it's hard to like really love it and like mm-hmm. Uh, fully get behind it i guess it's it's such a high concept movie um you know there's this pretty pretty on the nose allegory um going on and it's like it's on the nose but to see it play out you you're just not exactly sure what's going to happen next and uh and it's like the last 30 minutes are just so intense and so so creative from a compartmentalized standpoint. Like it's just, it's crazy. Like you, you understand what allegory they're going for, but to see it conducted on the scale that it's conducted in Mm -hmm. is so, is so fascinating. And it's, it's, it's kind of unpredictable, even though it's like you understand the progression of what's supposed to happen next, but you don't know how they're going to represent those concepts and those dynamics that you know are coming it's it's kind of hard to explain you know it's allegory is always so strange but uh i i I, like i said i liked it i mean it's just it's but it's hard to like because it's so unsettling and it's uh it's so dark and um and prophetic and uh yeah it's it's just it's dark and it's hard and it's, it's hard to watch and it's disturbing and like you kind of feel guilty sometimes. And it's, I, I completely understand the backlash to it. Cause mm-hmm. yeah, like it, 
paints a really terrible picture of religion. Um, uh, and so I understand why religious people were very upset by it. Um, of course, I don't necessarily disagree with the uh, ideas and stances that the movie kind of expresses. I think it was uh, fairly apt in that regard. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just it's just incredible how the progression of of the story. It's I, I was I was pretty blown away by it, and like I think you said that like it's going to sit with me for a while because mm-hmm. um, like again there are some some very disturbing moments and. Yeah, it's it's such an odd it, – it's it's almost – it's kind of odd that Darren Aronofsky made that movie. And, like, he was so – you know, he, he just kind of – I read some of the trivia about it in some interviews and stuff. And he just – he, like, he wrote the first draft of the movie in, like, five days. And yeah. It just, like, came to him in a rush. And I'm like – it's it's just funny because it's such an obvious allegorical story to tell. Mm-hmm. Like – like there's this whole biblical allegory to the whole thing and it's it's so obvious and like it's the most famous story in the world but it's just crazy how he was so passionate about it that he was able to get it out of himself in five five days mm-hmm. and and turn it into this big controversial movie it's it's just kind of it's almost shocking that it's so controversial and that it's so um it's such a such an extreme such extreme opinions about it because it's like, you know, it's like I said, it's, it's the most famous story in the world and it's obvious. It's kind of obvious, I guess I'd say. And it's just funny that not funny, but, um, predictable that people reacted so strongly to it. Right. Um, but it's, I I find it, I find it all fascinating, all the, Mm -hmm. the reaction to it and just the movie itself was really fascinating. Okay. Um, I I enjoyed it quite a bit, but uh I don't know that it was good enough. To, definitely not good enough for a top 10, maybe possibly a, an honorable mention. Okay. Uh, in retrospect. And that's fair. Uh you know, it's interesting cuz you kind of focus in on the the biblical allegory, which mm-hmm. is obviously like you said very on the nose and everything. I kind of viewed it as more as like a creator versus mother nature and yeah. The creator's compulsion to create living beings that would disrupt this beautiful creation that he has made mm-hmm. um that is in control of this this woman um, yeah. that is representative of mother nature um and yeah we'll have a longer conversation just off mic um mm-hmm. about it cuz i don't want to go into spoilers but i like yeah i was still i do recognize that it's very on the nose and everything it's very mm-hmm. uh Clearly, there's a passion to it that seems maybe a little bit rushed and everything, mm-hmm. but it was still effective for me. Totally. Um, and the 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 set for it was beautiful. Like that house, mm-hmm. the house that it takes place in exclusively. Like there's nothing. Yeah. No scenes are outside the home, which is yeah. supposed to represent like the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just incredible. Like the the layout, like the mm-hmm. kind of the grand central staircase, and just the kind of. Um, I don't think it was an accident that it's kind of like a circular floor plan mm-hmm. for the, for the house. Um, it was just incredible. Like, I don't know whoever built that set is a genius. I, right. I thought it was really incredible how that was just the logistics of that was really incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I will say the, the kind of last 30 minutes that you referenced, mm-hmm. I just, I just think that in terms of what is accomplished, just in camera in that yes. in that sequence like that whole absolutely like i i am just 
utterly just amazed by what was technically achieved in that yes in that uh sequence and i found myself wondering how they did it yeah a lot of the time oh yeah and while a lot of the allegory was very much on the nose and very you know obviously just kind of there it kind of didn't work as well for me until that sequence and that that whole that tension escalated to that point it was kind of Mm -hmm. the the kind of culmination of the whole movie was in that that full sequence, and I just I was really taken with it. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, yeah I think that'll just about do it for us. Uh, mm-hmm. Next week we'll do our prime selections uh, episode, and then after that I think we'll do Black Panther. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. I want to see. I'm very looking forward to that. Me movie. too. I'm I very much. See, I want to very see much it. excited about that, and then we'll yeah. also probably have a Black Mirror bonus episode at some point. Uh, so be on the lookout for that and also check out my uh, bonus review series of Black Mirror on my solo podcast anthology and check us out on Tower Junkies also yep and uh, yeah having said all that are we we done yes sir yeah alright well thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you next time thanks guys Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. If you'd like to support the show, the best and easiest way is to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. More ratings and reviews means it'll be easier for people to find the show in the highly competitive film and TV podcast genre. It also provides us with valuable feedback on the show. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a one-time PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate or become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer for recurring donations with different reward tiers. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, notebooks, phone cases, and more, visit our Tee Public store. You can also buy other great Tee Public designs in our store, and we'll get a small commission on the sale. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. We love to hear from you guys. You can contact us by emailing podcast at obsessiveviewer.com or by tweeting us at obsessiveviewer, at obsessivetiny, and at I am Mike White. You can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer where you can take part in discussions and polls between episodes. For more podcast content, check out Anthology, Matt's solo podcast, where he's reviewing The Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer and exploring other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows. You can find Anthology at anthologypod.com and anywhere podcasts are found. For book lovers, you can check out our sister site at obsessivebooknerd.com for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. 